A trigger warning for this episode, we do discuss eating disorders, so if you'd prefer to skip it, that's no problem and we'll see you next time. A quick warning before we begin, our episodes are made for adult ears, so do expect to hear some swear words and occasionally some adult themes. Oh, one more thing while we're at the warnings, a note on sound quality. These episodes have been produced by us in isolation. They're not made in our usual studio, so they don't sound as slick. But bear with us. I promise you the content is worth waiting around for. Hey, Daisy, can we make some podcasts? Yeah, we've got so much time on our hands. Sounds good to me. Every day we could bring a good and a bad news item, what's keeping us going, what's making us blue, and then we'll try and get as many guests as we can. Stunning. Let's do it. (laughs) This is Roisin Bevan and you're listening to Harness, Isolation Diaries. Oh, my darling angel. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm all right. Have you got a drink on the go? No, I don't, and I'm gagging for one. Gagging. Do you want me to call your wife? Should I call her live on the air? I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Okay. Yeah. Hello? Hello, is that Roisin Bevan's wife? Yes, it is. Um, I've just been informed that your wife does not have a drink in her hand. <gasps> oh, my God. I thought her hands had been cut off in the war. <laughs> They have been. That's why she can't fix a drink. Oh, good God. Oh, I'm what just... I let happen? I don't know. I'm just being silly. I'm being silly. Yeah, I'm being, I'm being a silly boy. How was your interview? It was good. Now we're recording the new segment and I put you on the loudspeaker as a funny joke. You're being pranked. Am I on a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a white wine? Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I'll talk to you later. Sorry for being naughty. Love you, darling. Love you, bye. Okay, so you got a white wine coming. The world is right but again. (laughs) I think maybe I should start with the bad news. I know we haven't really been doing news items, but it's just because you and I are like little puppy dogs. We really get distracted by other shit. So we're... I love distractions. Daisy, we adore distractions. Look at us, we're we're distracted now. Oh, my my God. God. Bad news. All right, I'm on the bad, 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 bad news today. Okay. I'm going to segue out of being silly. Can you put your serious harness voice on, please? Yes. In all seriousness. Oh, no, she's whipped on her Elton John glasses, as I've said this. (laughs) You will never know what it's like. (laughs) I'm still standing. Sorry, serious. Oh, that was I'm Still Standing. Yeah, but it was the rendition of him performing it in the One World Together at Home concert. Very specific. And, yeah, it's really specific. They talk about it on the Adam Buxton podcast, which is famously my favourite. And Tash Demetrius says, I can't believe that he didn't pronounce the letter S once and he was performing I'm Still Standing. <laughs> <laughs> and his piano playing is so, like, erratic. It's like... Um, yeah. Sorry, bad news. Focus. Oh, Sorry, I clapped. Oh, Daisy. I'm just going to keep it in so that I can tell the listeners of Harness <laughs> that Daisy loves to clap in <laughs> bloody microphone. And when we're on Zoom, it don't really matter 
But when you're editing that stuff and it's got a proper microphone and someone <laughs> claps in your ears, it, it tests your love. It does test your love a little bit. The, the amount of claps we've had to cut out. I'm so sorry. She's a clapper. Uh, look at how badly, badly we're doing. We're so bad, Daisy. Okay, I, I have some bad news. Uh, and I am segueing now out of being silly because it is something serious. And it's related to the themes of the show. Nadia Craddock appeared on the episode of Honey Rosses in our first season. Uh, and she is back uh, for this episode of Isolation Diaries and talking about eating disorders and negative self-talk and body image in lockdown. And we'll get on to that more. But in keeping with that theme, I found some statistics that I find a little bit troubling. So this is from a Guardian article, which of course I will link in the show notes. There are fears amidst the eating disorder community, scientists, specialists, that they are on the rise amid lockdown. The charity Beat says calls to its helpline have increased by 50% and that there has been a 78% rise in contact via social media compared with February. Nadia goes on to really talk about this more specifically, but charities are broadly quite concerned that the reduction in hospital services and a move to online sessions could result in an increase in new cases and setbacks for those who have an active eating disorder or are in early recovery. So that is really upsetting. And throughout the article, they cite a number of anecdotal examples about people who are really finding this to be true for themselves. And there's obviously that data there that's starting to support that. So that is worrying and something that we can all be mindful of. And that's why we're going to be spending the next couple of episodes just exploring some of those themes. Tell us about your good news. Yeah, it's sort of good news. It got sent my way by my friend Jess today. I say friend acquaintances but I want to be her friend so I called her um she's really cool anyway I posted on my Instagram story a recording of Nick Cave singing Into My Arms which is the most beautiful song in the whole world and she sent me a message saying have you seen Nick Cave's red hand files about filling the time through coronavirus and how this isn't necessarily the time to be creative. And I hadn't heard of the Red Hand Files before, but I've been looking through them today and they're wonderful. It's basically a blog that Nick Cave runs and he gets his fans to send in questions and without any moderation, he'll respond to them. So it's a really beautiful little platform and it's nice to hear from him. As someone who's experienced a lot of kind of devastating things in his life, he says that he often responds to a crisis by being creative, but... Like I say, he says this time isn't necessarily the time to be creative, which I thought was really interesting to come from such a prolific artist. So he says, as an artist, it feels inapt to miss this extraordinary moment. Suddenly, the acts of writing a novel or a screenplay or a series of songs seem like indulgences from a bygone era. For me, this is not a time to be buried in the business of creating. It is a time to take a backseat and use this opportunity to reflect on exactly what our function is what we as artists are for. And I just thought that was really nice that you shouldn't necessarily have to be creating, but maybe reflecting on what your purpose is as an artist, what you want to give to the world and why. So he also says uh, to Saskia, who was asking how to be creative as someone who's not a very creative person, 
he responded there are other forms of engagement open to us all an email to a distant friend a phone call to a parent or sibling a kind word to a neighbor a prayer for those working on the front lines these simple gestures combine the world together throwing threads of love here and there ultimately connecting us all so that when we do emerge from this moment we are unified by compassion humility and a greater dignity Perhaps we will also see the world through different eyes, with an awakened reverence for the wondrous thing that it is. This could indeed be the truest creative work of all. Love, Nick. Isn't that lovely? That's beautiful. Thank you, Daisy. Should we listen to some of the friends and followers of Harness about how they've been doing in lockdown? I would love to hear from them. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm isolating at the moment in central London with my girlfriend. How I'm feeling kind of changes from day to day is fairly dependent on what the weather's like. In terms of days left in me before I crack, I think we're both just trying to focus on taking each day as it comes. When people talk about, you know, six months away, that is quite scary. I think... We've done quite well up until now, and I think we've probably got another couple of months in us. Um, yeah, I think there's been good bits and there's been bad bits of this. What's been really lovely has been able to we've been able to spend a lot of time together. Instead of going to work every day, we now work at home together, and we cook every meal together. We're not off out in the evenings anymore. We've we've got into like a really lovely rhythm of of sitting down for lunches together and sitting down for, for evening meals together and watching films together and stuff like that. So that's been really, really lovely. But yeah, it's the small things like I'm my parents live fairly close, but they are in the bracket that's um, slightly more at risk. So I've not been able to go back and see my mum and see my dad, which I would really love to do. So I really miss them. It's weird, you get into a new pattern, you get into a new rhythm and it kind of becomes the new normal. So I don't think it's, I'm not finding it as hard as I thought I would and I think it's just because I've got stuff to get on with. Luckily not being furloughed at the moment, touch wood. But yeah, see what tomorrow brings. Hopefully it's a cure. Yeah, that's what tomorrow will bring. Hi, I'm Izzy. I'm a production manager for a creative agency um, I'm isolating in Brighton with my boyfriend and his family um, and his sister's boyfriend as well. Um, I'm feeling fine. I feel like I'm losing some momentum now, but uh, mostly feeling okay. Um, I'm entertaining myself with a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race season 12 and the accompanying Lee Dawson recaps. Um, doing a lot of cryptic crosswords. Uh, I would heavily recommend the Times Quick Cryptics books. Very good if you're a starter or if you're an experienced quizzer who just wants to have a little bit of fun. Um, I've got, how many days until I crack? Uh, I, th I think indefinite days. I think I'm okay before I crack. I think I'm all right. Um, I'm enjoying spending so much time with my boyfriend. It's, we're treating it like a trial run of living together and it's going really well so far. Um, the worst part for me, I think, is not seeing my family um, and knowing that I can't see them for quite a long time. Um, they live in Sydney in Australia, so 
they were meant to be coming across for summer holidays and that's not going to happen anymore. So I think that's my hardest part, um, not being with them at this time. Oh, that was lovely. And while uh, we're talking about friends of the podcast, we just want to give a shout out to harness follower and mate Sophie Robertson. Sophie's an actor and she's also a yoga instructor and she is doing online classes, Zoom yoga classes at the moment, which uh, is open to all levels, all ages, all stages. It's on a pay what you can afford system. So it's really inclusive. It's all done muted on Zoom. So you don't have to have any awkward chats. Uh, You can even turn your camera off and Do it in the nude if you like. (laughs) If you want to join one of those classes, um, I'll put the details in the show notes and you may well see Daisy and I at one of her lessons. She's fantastic and it's really fun to take part and I never feel overwhelmed by it. I can take a break and sit back if I don't feel like it's up to my level and I never feel judged. It's a very warm and friendly environment. So today's guest on the podcast, uh, as we mentioned, is the lovely Nadia Craddock. Nadia is a body image researcher and she has two podcasts of her own, one The Body Protest and the other Appearance Matters. So Nadia has recently joined the Centre for Appearance Research. She's currently leading the evaluation of Confident Me in Indonesia in collaboration with UNICEF, Dove and the Government Department of Culture and Education. We're really grateful for Nadia for giving her time and we cover some really interesting ground, as we mentioned earlier, about what it really is like for people who are suffering with an eating disorder or are in recovery or are having feelings of self-loathing right now in isolation. Here she is. Firstly, can you tell us a bit more about your own podcast and how people, seeing as they're all at home, or most of them, can access it? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have two. So the first one is The Body Protest, and that's with Honey Ross. And you can access it on all good platforms. But yeah, so there's that podcast, The Body Protest, and then I I do the podcast for work with Jade Pennell. So I work at the Centre for Appearance Research at the University of the West of England in Bristol, and we have a podcast called Appearance Matters. They're both they're both about body image and in general, they they just have a different slant to it. So the the work one obviously is science heavy. It's kind of we talk about the studies, it's quite academic, and then the podcast I do with Honey is a bit more informal just kind of talking about bodies, body image, how people relate to their bodies and and kind of navigate that complex, tricky relationship that most of us have with with our bodies. And speaking of people having a complex and tricky relationship with their bodies, Mm -hmm. how do you think lockdown has added to the pressure for those who may suffer with eating disorders or have even overcome their eating disorders? For people with eating disorders in in particular, why why being in lockdown might be a particular struggle, there's a couple of things so one if you're currently in treatment there's likely to be a disruption to your treatment and support my knowledge I think inpatient treatment is is still going ahead in in most places but when it comes to like day patient or outpatient a lot of that will be switched to virtual which is quite different right so there's that aspect and then thinking beyond the kind of professional level of support is the support that you have from all of your different social interactions 
which kind of relates to the next big point really is about isolation like this whole concept of isolation eating disorders thrive in isolation eating disorders are notoriously very secretive it's tricky in terms of like uh, behaviors and and i guess the other thing with that is because of lockdown like so some people might have more food in the house there's this whole concept of food scarcity so for someone struggling with an eating disorder that that is extra anxiety inducing people with eating disorders they tend to struggle with uncertainty in the best of times so then um, this is just really heightened at, at this point so there's a lot of different bits going on and then of course you've got all the hyper focus on on weight and weight gain and and diet culture as well and that's really loud and there's not really anything to kind of get in the way way of that because your people are just at home so in many ways it is that kind of perfect storm for people who are actively struggling doesn't matter what eating disorder you have or what behaviors kind of manifest within your eating disorder so whether that binge eating disorder bulimia anorexia like so the, the restriction the binging the purging the excessive exercise any of the, that constellation of behaviors a lot of those behaviors are often a coping mechanism to deal with negative emotion and because there's all of this collective anxiety and grief it just becomes like what people's like go-to is for dealing with that there must be such a spectrum of disordered eating or, or eating disorders and that it mm. could be triggering for so many people and whatever category you fall into. Um, how has it affected your work? So I'm still at my research centre where I did my PhD, but I am like a postdoc researcher. So there's a whole constellation of projects that are going on at the centre, but I'm working on one that's in partnership with... Dove, so the Unilever, like personal care brand, so it's we're funded by Dove, and they have a partnership with UNICEF. So we're looking at putting school-based body image lesson into schools in Indonesia. So that's what I've been working on since October. Did the uh, lockdown disrupt the flow of your work? And oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely, mm-hmm. um, because the work is reliant on face-to-face. We had to pause a lot. Um, so I mean, it was, it, was, it was such a shame with the timing because we were going to do one kind of lot of data collection at the beginning of March and it just got to the point where we were like, oh, it's too risky to do it. And there wasn't an official lockdown in Indonesia at that point, but it just, it, we didn't feel comfortable to do it at that point. And then schools now are shut. So, and because the work that I'm leading on this one particular project is a school-based programme, we just have to wait until schools reopen before we can carry on with that project. Well, we wanted to ask about what's going on in the media at the moment and kind of what may be triggering people. There were some photos that came out of Adele, for example. She's lost a significant amount of weight and everyone's been talking about it. Everyone's got to put their two cents in. And I can imagine that would be triggering for a lot of people, for people to be praising what's been happening. And obviously she can do what she likes, but we don't know the circumstance. Another example is... um, I presume you came across the restaurant that burns calories that was aired on the BBC, which is just a nightmare for a myriad of reasons. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about that on the podcast. And you know, how do you think that affects people who can be triggered by these things? Um, so, I mean, I don't know even where to start with that TV program, that restaurant that burns calories. I mean, full disclosure, I didn't watch it. I just, I was like, I, I, I just can't. I mean, sometimes with stuff like that, I'm like, oh, it'll be interesting to work, watch it from a work perspective. But with this, I was just like, I, just, I don't have the, the capacity to look at something like that right now. I mean, I was shocked, I think, that that was aired, particularly given the time that we're in. So even if you do not have 
a history of disordered eating in any capacity it's a mind-boggling concept of a show in terms of like immediately like taking all pleasure away from eating and food but I think why it's so toxic for people with eating disorders or a pattern of disordered eating like being in that in that headspace is that it's just really endorsing any disordered eating thoughts or behaviors that they're having because the the idea of like having a meal knowing exactly how many calories is in that meal and then knowing exactly what it takes to burn off that number of calories is a very disordered way of thinking right so then it's just endorsing and actually saying as as a broadcaster yes we are endorsing this like dysfunctional relationship with food and i guess there's a lot of there's a lot of guilt and a lot of shame flying around while we're in lockdown. Um, like the idea that we have to earn our food, we have to earn our alcohol consumption and we have to use our time productively. Um, how do you think we can avoid shaming ourselves? I mean, it's so hard. And I think probably the first thing to do is acknowledge that it's really hard, right? Like it's hard because as we kind of, you know, see above in, in terms of this conversation, but there was, there's so much external pressure on what we should be doing to be doing lockdown right and whether that's related to food or exercise or productivity at work or arts and crafts or you know like making the most of the current situation I think there is a lot of pressure so acknowledging that there is a lot of pressure and it's, it's also a really challenging time for many different reasons even if I mean I'm in a very very privileged position I still have a job I'm like living in my own home like everything is nice you know like everything is nice and I'm still finding it a bit of a head fuck at times right so I think acknowledging that it can be it can be hard and then for some people it's going to be much 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 harder still um and then I think what I've been thinking about a lot in relation to kind of managing all of those kind of different messages and the pressure to, to feel this way is, is really thinking about self-compassion and really thinking which which is again another difficult concept I think for a lot of people myself included within that because it's that kind of message of like oh you know just be kind to yourself and that can make you a bit like ah what does that even mean I don't know I've never had an eating disorder but I can relate to that sense of but if I'm not keeping the the tightrope on me then then like it's gonna all fall yeah and I mean and that again is a reflection of society right I think it's a reflection on capitalism and I think it's a reflection on this like hamster wheel of like self-improvement that we're always on and I think that's been heightened in lockdown because I think we've got nothing better to think about because we're not doing anything like we're not doing all of our kind of like day-to-day like mundane-ness of life so then there's this hyper focus on like okay how can I self-improve in this time back to self-compassion I think there's that bit of like yeah that that whole pressure of like oh and now I need to love myself so or or whatever so like I, I gain I would like dampen that down I think really just taking a step back and thinking like okay how am I going to manage let me not be a dick to myself let me like cut myself some slack I think a lot of people struggle with self like compassion towards self but find it easy with other people this is a really challenging situation you don't have to be doing the most right now acknowledging that every day is going to look different and I think that that works with hunger like how much you eat like one day you might be really hungry like bye like go for it I think it's that practice of being gentle also and you don't have to be really rigid with this whole process and kind of think that you have to be like matching up to some kind of bar because there is no bar here Thank you so much for talking to us. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you for having me. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Harness Isolation Diaries. We are proud friends of Rafiki Moema and the Carly Ryan Foundation. 
both of these charities work tirelessly to protect young people from harm. Information about both charities will be in the show notes. If you would like to share your story of isolation, we would love to hear from you. On our Instagram page, you'll see a little pro forma for some prompts about how you can structure your voice note, though feel free to get creative. Whatever you come up with, please email it to projectharness at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. You're really, really important to us. Please continue to share, like, subscribe, all that wonderful, wonderful stuff. Bye.